Now let's join Holly Steffi and Red Velvet Media as we explore the inspirational worlds of music, media, and more.
what a way to start a show. And welcome. Welcome to Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio. And today I have a really special guest with me. I have David Barnett, who has written a fantastic book called Making a Night Stalker. And uh, this is really a great book where he takes readers inside the elite world of SOAR and other things. I'm going to uh, be bringing him on live into the studio I just wanted to say welcome to my Wednesday shows, and uh, we're going to be starting up these Wednesday shows again, and I just wanted to make sure everyone knows that the show will be available on iTunes afterwards and also on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio On Demand as a podcast. So with that, let me bring David into the studio. He's calling from a very cold place right now. (laughs) David, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. What an introduction. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I love that song. And that I have to tell my listeners, that was requested by my guest. And uh why don't you tell our listeners a little bit why you chose that song and a little bit about yourself and uh about your book. So yeah, you can absolutely. introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah. 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 If that song doesn't motivate you, I don't know what will. Um so That's uh, ACDC Thunderstruck, we would listen to prior to going out on mission when we were deployed to Afghanistan. So that was kind of my decision wow. for picking that song for the introduction. And I, I think it, it plays well and it, it gets you kind of amped up for whatever is ahead. And uh, just like going out on mission, we're about to go on a mission here and kind of explore my world. Uh, from a unique perspective, and I look forward to sharing some of those stories with uh, not only you, but your listeners. Oh, yeah, you reminded me. If anyone would like to call in, because I know that you mentioned to me before that, you you know, David's been really in high demand with this book. Just so everybody knows, this book is available on Amazon, pretty much everywhere. Making a Night Stalker, David Burnett, this is his first book, and uh I wanted to say he's been in high demand going out and doing interviews on TV and whatnot. And I know that you mentioned to me that you had a lot of people that had questions for you and you wanted to invite those people to be able to call in and ask after we talk a little bit. We'd love to take calls. Let me give you the call-in number. It is uh, 347-677-1036. And uh, we'd be more than happy to uh, take your calls. Um, so, David, um, tell us a little bit about what SOAR is and the, the Elite 160th and uh, what this book is all about. Yeah, absolutely. So, SOAR is actually an acronym, and it stands for Special Operations Aviation Regiment. And it's uh, stationed in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Fort Lewis, Washington, and Savannah, Georgia, making a, a, a total of four different battalions. I was stationed Mm -hmm. in Fort Campbell, Kentucky with 2nd Battalion Alpha Company, which is a Chinook flight company. So I was essentially a Chinook helicopter crew chief. And for those listening who don't know what a Chinook is, it's essentially a giant flying school bus. It's a tandem rotor twin-engine giant helicopter with a Mm -hmm. load weight of of up to 54,000 pounds it can carry. And um, we normally haul anywhere from 20 to 35 troops on board and drop them off in 
the pitch dark in Afghanistan and also other remote parts of the globe uh, where bad guys need to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. That's a really good explanation. Yeah, bad guys need to be dealt with. I love that. That's great. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about um, what made you decide to write this book because I know this is like telling a story, and it's really cool, guys, this book because if you don't have the military background as David and I were talking about earlier in the very back which is super cool is not only acknowledgments of different people um, we there's an acronym reference which is great it, it, it explains to you what different acronyms and different things mean with throughout the book um, this book's an easy read it's it's intense um, you feel like you're right there and uh, you can actually feel like you're telling the story so um, tell our listeners a little bit about like how how what made you decide to write this book and uh, like what kind of point did you really want to get out to the people out there yeah absolutely so I I never set out with a goal to write a book Mm -hmm. Um, I was struggling like many transitioning veterans do coming out of uh, an intense high op tempo military service and back into civilian life. And I went to go see a VA counselor to kind of help mitigate the things that I was dealing with. And one of the Mm -hmm. counselor's suggestions was to start writing down everything in my head in the form of journal. Excellent. So yeah, mm-hmm. so I, yeah, and she thought it was excellent too, and I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. But at that point, I was uh, ready to, and willing to try anything to cope with some of the stuff I was dealing with uh, early on in my transition. So I began mm-hmm. writing kind of a few sentences here and there every day, and then uh, those sentences kind of turned into paragraphs and then those paragraphs turned into chapters and then at about 40,000 to 50,000 words I realized what I'm writing is kind of lo- kind of chronologically leading up to uh, my transition out of service so I, I thought at that point it would make a good story and hopefully a good book and turn into a quality product that I could eventually sell and and get my story out there about a unique role that is rarely talked about and not a lot of people know about. So that's kind of how the whole process happens from journal entries into paragraphs, into chapters, and then finally uh, into this book. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I want to ask you, like, I know I've, I've read the book. It's, it's very, um, it's really cool the way the style that it's written um because it is almost like a journal and you're reading this and it's like you're telling you're painting pictures for a lot of people throughout the book and uh you know i wanted to ask you what part when you were writing this book and and well actually when you were doing your journaling and then it it transpired into this this fantastic read um what were some of the chapters that you found yourself? Did you have any any struggles with writing some of this stuff, or um, in what yes. parts were more intense for you and stuff like that? Yeah, the so 
just to give your audience kind of a general synopsis, the the, the first uh, about eight to nine chapters are kind of mm-hmm. training and leading up to my first deployments with 160th as a Chinook helicopter crew chief. And so those aren't super intense. I mean, the training is intense and I paint a vivid picture. Uh, so essentially the reader could, like you said, be right there by my side while they're reading mm-hmm. this. And then after chapter 10 and to the continuation of the book, which ends at chapter 20, that's when things started to really get intense. And those were kind of the harder chapters for me to write and relive. And if I can recall some of the more heavier chapters where we actually were a part of, you know, a select um, mission set on a certain deployment that we actually lost um, about three, uh, not about three. We lost three Army Rangers on uh, yeah. uh, the night of October 22nd, 2011. And that chapter was super hard for me to recount and relive. But I, I, I wanted to get through that chapter, not for me, but to honor the three Rangers who sacrificed their lives that night. And so that one was super hard for me to write. And then the last chapter where I talk about my alcohol dependency and essentially attempting um, a suicide attempt on my life. And then, Mm -hmm. um, so that, that was really hard for me to relive because it wasn't that long ago, Uh, but I felt the more I was able to write and relive that stuff, it actually helped me get out of this seclusion that I found myself in and this loneliness by writing it. And now after putting the book out there, you know, people read that last chapter and they realize that they're not alone. And my hope is that hopefully veterans struggling with the same things that I struggled with and many veterans struggle with in the, in the transition process, they're able to see, Hey, I'm not the only one out there. And look, he was able to write this book and now he's, you know, doing better. Although, you know, although I still struggle with some things, it's, it's much better than I was, you know, a year, two years ago. Oh, yeah. No, I totally can understand that any kind of recovery in any way or shape or form is hard enough. And I give you high kudos on this because you were able to write about it. You were able to go out and and talk about it. And yet you're still maintaining your sobriety and you're maintaining a lifestyle that is healthier for yourself. And you're also passing along a message, I feel, this book really passes a message of hope on to a lot of people because there is life after being in a really traumatic or, you know, um, like a thunderstruck type, you know, thing, you know, like you're in in an environment where it's just like you're out of your element, but your adrenaline's just pumping. I I can only imagine what it's like um, or what it was like. Um, you know, and I, I really applaud you in that for that. I think that's great. Congratulations for doing this. And, um, you know, a lot of people know that I totally support, you know, a lot of people in recovery and also in adjusting to different light, to a different life after coming out of a really stressful situation. 
Um, are you? What are you finding when you go and you do your um, interviews, like with other people, like when you've done your TV interviews and stuff like that? What are a lot of the most common questions people are asking that maybe we can answer to a lot of people on the on the air right now? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so the main questions um, that are kind of preliminary, uh, we've already covered. Mm-hmm. What is one sixtieth? What is sore? What is a night mm-hmm. stalker? Uh, and maybe we didn't cover how we got coined, how we were coined with the term night stalkers, um, and that comes from yeah. Let's do that only, too. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So uh, to answer that question, that term came from our ability to do missions at night and our mission set is normally we only operate at during the nighttime and we're aided under night vision goggles. And so that's how we got the, the, the term night stalkers associated with our mm-hmm. unit. Fantastic. So that, 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 yeah. So that's a, those are some big questions. Um, I haven't gotten any questions that have really thrown me off, I guess, uh, but those are the, those are the major questions. And then, uh, what it, what advice would I have for a service member transitioning out of service and trying to find their purpose after mm-hmm. the military? And my biggest piece of advice for that is to set small attainable goals, whether they be hourly goals, daily goals, you know, something something small and easy to accomplish to essentially get them to a bigger long-term goal. Establish your long-term goal and then break those down into into smaller goals. I know it sounds cliche, but no, 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 that's, it's important. That's actually, yeah, it's super important, and that's what's helped me kind of maintain my sobriety too. Is when when I wake up, I go to the gym, and then after I'm done with the gym, <clears throat> I write down a list of everything I want to accomplish for the day, and if I get through that entire list, and I try and make it. A, a really long list, so it takes mm-hmm. up my entire day. So I'm never bored. And so when I get, mm-hmm. if I get to the end of the list um, too early in the day, and I know before five is too early for me to stop working or accomplishing any tasks on my list. So You're I'll hired. An, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I'll, I'll create, I need a I'll long hour a new, worker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone dedicated. Yeah. And, I mean, we learned it in military. For any veterans or transitioning veterans listening, we learned, Mm. you know, discipline and um, motivation and all those those military things that we learned we can apply in civilian life. And so that's what Mm -hmm. I do day day to day, and that's the biggest piece of advice I would have for any transitioning veteran. Oh yeah, totally. And I have I I have a lot of things running through my mind that I want to ask you that I don't know if other people have asked, but you know, I always seem to ask things that people say, "Gosh, where'd you come up with that?" No, I want to ask you. Wasn't it a trip like when you came home, like when you finally came home to go to the grocery store or to go to um, in your neighborhood and see how it changed and how everything had different packaging and because that's the that's mostly what I hear from a lot of people that the world changed so much because you only see a certain kind of um, 
you know, uh, element over there. I mean, you're kind of used to one sort of uh, environment, right? And and then you go out of that, and then, and then you come back to reality. And um, that's when I think it's the hardest because you get, I know a lot of people have told me they get blown away with how life has changed so much and about phones and computers and stuff like that. The technology has changed so much here in the world. Was that something that you experienced? Um, in terms of, and you're speaking in terms of deploying and coming back to the United States or just yeah. coming back? Okay. Yeah. So just coming back. My, yeah. So my first deployment, which was 13 months to Bagram, um, it, that was an interesting transition in itself just because like you said you come back and a lot of things have changed because you've been gone for 13 months mm -hmm. but when I when I went into the special operations community I didn't experience that so much because our rotations were you mm -hmm. know six, 60 on 60 off or 90 on 90 off so I'd only be deployed mm -hmm. for 60 60 or 90 days at a time so you know a, a, a couple months wasn't enough change on, no. on the scale of moving technology for me to come back and realize, oh, wow, look at this new piece of technology changed or do this packaging has changed. You know, So I didn't experience that so much as I did coming back from my first 13-month rotation. Yeah, I bet. Um, now, I know um, people with families and stuff like that, when they come back, what advice would you have for family members if they um, have had uh, somebody that's gone away and they come back. Um, what's the best piece of advice you could give to a loved one or a, a sister or a brother or a mother or a father to help that person transition and understand everything? Oh, wow. Yeah, you remember how I said I haven't really had any questions that have thrown me off? Well, I'd, I'd put this one up there. <laughs> um this is something I really want to know because I really think I can just hear it from you. I know you're very honest about this. So, what would you what would you yeah, do? Absolutely. What would you tell someone? No, that's a great question. Um, I would say to not inundate your significant other or who what what whoever the family member is coming back from a deployment, not to inundate them with questions or. Um, honey-do lists or anything like that. Just let them feel everything out on their own and give them as much time as they need. Obviously, you know, you have to talk to your husband or your wife or your brother or your sister, uh, but at the same time, you can give them space because I think that space is important when a service mm -hmm. member comes back from a deployment because there's, like me, I was still trying to figure stuff out, and the last thing I want to do is processing someone it. about yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk to someone about, you know, a deployment I was just on because I was there and I don't want to I don't want to dwell on it and think about it. I want to think about, you know, what I'm doing back in the States now. I want to think about, you know, what fast food place I'm going to go eat at because it was non-existent <laughs> overseas. Ah, you need to eat healthy now, David. <laughs> <laughs> Start juicing and stuff like that yeah, now. I, that right. yeah no I hear you I know the food must it was a big change for you probably as far as food goes like that but 
Yeah, getting back to my original question, I can imagine, you know, it's like if you're with someone and and you can sense that they're in pain or they have some unresolved issues, you kind of want to let them work it out. But there are a lot of people that don't understand. So what advice would you give to those people that maybe they feel like they're stuck in a situation with somebody that really isn't opening up, would you suggest maybe that that person um, maybe talk to um, somebody to try to, you know, help them understand it if the other person isn't willing to acknowledge that they still are having issues with things? So I know if it's a male coming from a Mm -hmm. deployment and – uh, there's a lot of alpha-type personalities in the Army, so it's going to be hard to get someone who's just come back from a deployment to go see a counselor. But, you know, if the wife mm-hmm. is urging their husband, let's let's go talk to someone. But um, I would definitely not rule that out. I think it's important to get another set of eyes on the situation and, and, and an unbiased opinion because it might open up a different conversation that might lead to, you know, the couple talking again and talk, you know, mm-hmm. talking through some important, some important things within the relationship. So I think counseling is a good thing and getting another set of eyes in on the situation is important, especially within the first three, you know, if things are, are bad and aren't getting better within the first three months, if someone returning from a deployment, I would say I wouldn't rule out counseling. Yeah, no, and I want to say also what I really admired, and this is really something that probably not a lot of people are going to notice, but I noticed just because of different affiliations and stuff like that is how you give the veterans hotline on the in the book. Um, yeah. I think that's really important for a lot of people. Um, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay, perfect. I just wanted to make sure. Um, Veteran Crisis Line, I'm going to give it out on the air for anyone listening that may not have the book yet and uh, may not have looked it up or have the access or the means to do it. Um, The Veteran Crisis Line is 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. And... uh, I think it's really important that we keep that communication open for a lot of people that are out there that may be struggling and and people that, um, you know, still have, you know, unresolved issues. But getting back to your book, um, this book is, I mean, really a fantastic read, guys. And um, David is, I wanted to talk to you because you are also an entrepreneur. Um, You not only have written this book, which you didn't plan on writing, but you've also invented a patent clamp that's intended to be used for um, uh, aircraft, you said? Um, Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, about what your company is and the name of it and everything so people know because this is kind of cool. You turned something into – you know, you, you've actually created something that is um, letting, you know, it's like an outlet for your emotions, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and hopefully it will be an outlet 
into my bank account one of these days. <laughs> um, so, How cute. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my company is TAC Clamp, T-A-C Clamp, and short for tactical. And when I was a crew chief on the helicopter, I, I saw mm-hmm. and realized a problem that customers had when they came on board the aircraft. There wasn't really anywhere for them to hang their gear weapon system from inside the aircraft. And if they did find a way to hang it, normally when we landed on mm-hmm. the target in someone's front yard to go capture or kill them, they would be struggling to unhook their gear or whatever they had hanging and however they secured it inside the aircraft. And it was taking too long while we were sitting on the target. So I, I thought, what if there was a way to invent a clamp to clamp inside the aircraft and they just pull a strap and it releases whatever they have hanging from the clamp. And so that's essentially what TAC clamp does. It clamps inside the aircraft, hang your gear, weapon system, or essentially anything 250 pounds or less from the clamp, and you can pull a strap and release the gear or whatever's hanging from it and exfil the aircraft. When you come back on board, the clamp's in the same place, and you just clip your clip attached to your gear weapon back into the clamp. And so I've been working on that for about, going on five years now. I have three utility patents and another one pending as well as a mm-hmm. trademark on the trademark on the name, uh, closed around the seed funding for the company in 2016. And I've just recently been, you know, really revamping, you know, my business plan, uh, meeting with, uh, score counselor. And for those of you listening who are entrepreneurs and don't, don't know about score, S-C-O-R-E. I recommend researching it. They offer free entrepreneurship mentoring from mentors who have been in the business a long time, and they'll pair you with someone that best meets you know, your business and your business plan, and they'll help you write a business plan. They'll help you talk through any hurdles you might face developing your company and bringing your company to market. Uh, so I'm meeting with a score counselor here soon and kind of revamping everything. Now that I have some legs under me and I'm, I'm not alcohol dependent anymore. I have a new focus and a new energy. I finished the book and now my energy is back into the clamp a hundred percent. No, I think, I think that's awesome. Uh, you know, your, your invention is just, um, See, this is this is the thing that I try to say. Out of out of anything that's like, well, it was an intense situation for you. I can see. I mean, for me, it would be intense if I were doing what you were doing. And out of that, out of that intense situation, you created something that can better the the world and also better someone else's lifestyle and um, help them because you created something that could be very useful in all types of businesses um be it you know anything um you know the clamp this clamp that you invented how ingenious i mean you know so here you were thinking about you had your entrepreneurial skills going while you were out there flying around and uh doing your thing um that's very cool i think that's really really cool now i know you finished uh, you have a bachelor's in business management after you were discharged yeah, so I utilized the GI Bill and exhausted all my mm-hmm. benefits, which 
I recommend any veteran do if they have that benefit. There are certain criteria. Most veterans getting out will have that benefit to use it. Otherwise, you lose it. I, th- I think uh, I think the criteria is 10 years after you get out, you have to use it if it's Chapter 33 which is the term mm-hmm. for the post 9-11 GI Bill. And so I went to mm-hmm. um, University of Phoenix and got my bachelor's in business management. Uh, prior to that, I got my airframe and power plant license right out of the Army, which allows, oh, me, wow. to work on, yeah, allows me to work on helicopters and airplanes on the civilian side. Never utilized it, but thought it would be nice to just have as a backup. Oh, that's really cool. You definitely have that in your pocket. That that could be a very lucrative career, um, you know, having that experience. Um, I know the technology is changing so much all the time, and I know that you probably have to, you know, learn different things all the time. But um, what do you think about today's aviation um, you know, not um, where I don't even want to talk about the latest thing that happened. I just want to talk about how do you see our future in the aviation um, going? What 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 do you think? Do you think we're going to have flying cars? Because I've heard, you know, rumors about that and stuff like that. Um, I think the possibilities are endless, especially with mm-hmm. I just as as you know, and for the listeners, I just got back from. Uh, Heli Expo in Atlanta last week. It's the big biggest mm-hmm. helicopter convention in North America. That was at the uh, Georgia Congressional Convention Center there. And some of the new technology coming out just just on the rotary wing side. And there was a lot of new mm-hmm. drone technology uh, being displayed there at the show. Um, in particular, there was a, a a Bell helicopter prototype with six articulating um rotors it almost looks like it almost looks like a drone but it can carry up to i think 10 people and this thing was amazing and it's just a prototype but that is where the future is going and uh, as far as fully autonomous you know i i wouldn't rule that out i mean i've seen videos of Domino's delivery service where a car is all autonomous and delivers a pizza to to somebody and takes payment and everything. So that's amazing on itself on the ground transportation side. But in terms of aviation, you know, the the possibilities are endless. And I I just think we are just scratching the surface when it comes to air travel. No, absolutely. Now, you know, it's funny because, you know, I've been exposed to – the helicopter industry through Thomas Freakin. Did you ever hear of Thomas Freakin? He I owned quite a lot. Yeah, he um, he actually had a lot of the helicopters that you saw on Black Hawk Down. Um, he was also a stuntman, an airplane pilot, and stuff like that. But he actually owned a lot of the different places that, um, in you know, out of Texas. And, and built them, and I was really blown away because I got to see some of the things. And just recently, um, he's no longer with us anymore, but he was an amazing man. Um, but I just recently saw this car that they unveiled. It's a flying car that was in Switzerland that they just uh, released a video on. Did you see that? I haven't, no. Crazy. So, you know, for to see stuff like that, it's pretty crazy to see you know, things like that happening. 
Um, so where do you see yourself with, are you going to, um, and do you have some other things going on? I'd like to know what you're currently working on besides getting your book out, which is fantastic. Again, it's Making a Night Stalker, and today we have David Burnett with us, and if you'd like to call in, the number again is 347-677-1036. We're on the air for another uh, about 10 minutes, but I wanted to say, um, I wanted to know what you're currently working on besides this book tour and your clamp. Are you working on anything else you'd like to give our listeners an inside view on? Um, I wouldn't say uh, working on anything else other than those two right now because I've I've found pretty quickly that you know if you spread yourself too thin you know it's like I always give an analogy if you can juggle four balls but when you throw a fifth ball in there it's really hard to to, to juggle and so so true I find, I find, oh gosh yeah and I so true I find that true with any business endeavor so really just focusing on the the current book that's out and then uh the clamp and getting that to market and into the hands of uh active duty service members in the aviation community and otherwise and then uh, i've been toying around with the idea of writing a second book about yay uh, just (laughs) yeah and it's just primarily going to be about well one of one of my solid idea and just going to be primarily about veterans transitioning out of service. And I, I also want to, absolutely that would be cool. And not just to get my take on it, but to make it more of a collaborative book and get a, a, a culmination of different veteran stories who have gone from oh, yeah. Complete rock bottom, yeah, complete rock bottom and totally came out of their slump, what they did to do that and then where they are mm-hmm. now. And so it's going to be kind of a mish, mishmash of transitioning and entrepreneurship within the veteran community. Yeah, you know, I have an idea for you too, and I don't know if you've thought about it, and I don't know if it may be too early for you, can you know, in your eye, in your mind. But in my mind, in the recovery community, I think you're a very good speaker. Um, I think you sharing your stories and talking about, you know, your sobriety and what you're doing. And we don't talk about that on the air. We talk about that, you know, in the rooms and and what stays there, you know, what you talk about stays there. But so what I'd like to say is I think you'd be an excellent speaker and I'd love to possibly have you talk with a few people. I don't know if that's been something that you've been um, approached on or, if you thought about doing at all, I, Have you? I honestly, would, I would love to, and that that's kind of my next piece to oh, this you'd book. Be giving it's, back big time. Yeah, absolutely. You would. And I I come from a place of wanting to help other people because I know I hear how that. I can get, and I've been there, and I I want to get into that speaking world. Um, Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I I want to I want to be able to add value into people's lives instead of just being like I'm a speaker. Here's my fee. Pay me, and I'll 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 speak on what yeah. you want me to speak on. Totally get it. It's not just about selling the book. It's about helping people. It's about giving a message to people. It's about letting them know what what 
your life was like and and that they're not alone and for people like you said you wrote this book you said something to me earlier and I'm not sure if we said it on the interview you wrote you wrote the book and you put the acronyms in the back for people that didn't have a military any any idea of a military background or anything like that right because we didn't I don't think we yeah, said that on the air no we did we covered that Oh, okay. I wasn't sure because we had we talked a little bit, and I wasn't sure. I forgot about that. But um, it's really important people know that. And again, it's making a night stalker. And um, I don't know. Would you um, do you want to read the night stalker creed so people understand what that is, or would you like to forego that? Um, I'll for, I'll forego it. But if anyone wants to okay. read the because it's kind of long, and if anyone wants to read the creed which we live by while we're serving and take mm-hmm. it with us after certain parts of it mm-hmm. um, you can find it on my website which is making a nightstalker.com oh that's perfect yes 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 you can go there and you can also get the book and i know that you're running a special too on um the book on kindle or for an ipad or something like that right aren't you running a special on that Right now? Yep. Kin- uh, yeah, Kindle Unlimited. So I believe they offer a free Kindle version uh, right now. Uh, it might be, I believe that will be uh, over at the end of March. So okay. you can so get it, it guys. Before, yeah, go get it. This is a very inspiring book, even though it's filled with a lot of, I can, you know, a lot of your own personal stories. Um. You know, for a lot of people out there that may be wondering what it was like or, or have been there and want, like you said, you know, you're not alone. And um, I guess I should talk and ask you, do you keep in touch with a lot of the people that you have done deployments with? And do. how are they I doing? Have, I do, yeah. And uh, that's another important piece of advice too is when you get out you're essentially going to be or feel well you may or may not but I felt alone uh, and the best thing for me was to keep in contact with a lot of the guys I deployed with and so now we have a running like group text message conversation where we always are able to oh that's uh, awesome yeah so we're we're all out now and we're all doing epic things you know in our own communities that's great are in the same None of us are in the same state, but we're always just a text or phone call away if any one of us needs each other. So I think that's important to build up that support system even when you get out. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel so isolated because I Absolutely. know it could be a very isolating feeling. And yep. um, I want to say to you, um, this book is is a very good read. Um, and... Uh, I, I give you great, you know, kudos on, you know, telling your story and also, you know, surviving everything and also turning a situation that was so intense into where you've created something that could be used and you also went on and got a bachelor's in business management and now you're, you know, thinking about doing a second book. And um, I know it says here that you enjoy golf and snowboarding too. Um, 
you know, that's so cute. That was in your bio. So I thought that was great. <laughs> you enjoy golf and snowboarding. Well, I know you enjoy, you, you're going to have a great time snowboarding right now because you're in a, an area that is getting quite a lot of snow right now. And we were really worried, guys, about whether we were going to be able to do this show today or not. But we are here. And I wanted to um, thank you so much for being a guest today on the air with me and, uh, you know, talking about the book and talking about possibilities of another book. And um, you and I will be in touch and I will be you know, following up with you because I want to, like I said, talk to you about doing some maybe speaking engagements and I'll put you in touch with some people, you know, about that. Um, yeah, that'd be great. You know, the pictures that are in your book, I want to touch on that really quickly before we go. Um, your, your Coast Guard stuff, um, you know, that you've talked, I think you referenced some of that stuff in the book. You want to talk a little bit about that? What was that like for you? Um, I don't, I'm not sure what you mean by Coast Guard stuff. I thought there were some things in here that you talked about. Um, I'm looking here. Because I remember reading some things that you did. You were doing some things out by the water. Well, that was probably when you were over. You weren't, you weren't working directly with the Coast Guard. You were in a different thing, but you did work with some of the Coast Guard people, didn't you, in, in some of these situations? Uh, no, never worked with the Coast Guard, but uh, we, on our helicopter, we do a lot of, uh, offer a lot of, and have a lot of capabilities uh, that might give the impression that we work with the Coast Guard. So we are capable of doing a lot of overwater operations, and we do work mm-hmm. with, um, I mean, we work with Navy SEALs or Rangers or Special Forces, and s- sometimes mm-hmm. some of those those training trips, we are working with these guys over large bodies of water doing different things okay. from, helo ca- from helo casting to uh, hoisting operations, hoisting someone out of the water or amphibious operations where we're pushing a boat out of the aircraft and into the water, and then a team jumps out after it. So. That that might have given the impression that we were working with. The oh, Coast okay. Guard, but that was in fact that was in fact uh, just all us. Oh, great. Okay. Do you want to talk about the cover, the artwork on the front of the cover, and who did that and worked with you on that? Yeah, sure. And this kind of reference and resources for anyone listening who is considering writing a book and self-publishing and not sure, you know, what steps to take. Well, this step the cover step of your book when you get to mm-hmm. that point it's an exciting it's an exciting point but it's very stressful so i had an artist uh, who's a very great artist and he is remarkable at his craft he was essentially commissioned by me to uh do the cover and he he uh, painted and drew out this beautiful cover of a guy holding a minigun and and pointing it out of the of the right gun window and the more i talked to people in the industry the more i found out that painted scream self-published and i didn't want to appear that my book was self-published so i scrapped that idea and then i started researching other ways to get the cover made and i ended up landing on a website called 99designs.com and oh, really? I have no affiliation. Oh wow. Yeah, I have no no affiliation with this 
website. So this is just my experience and it's my own experience. So, but I, I found it very helpful. So what you do is you host a contest for a week and you say, this is what I want my cover to look like. Here are some images you can use. And you have all these book designers come in, they see the contest and then they start throwing out their ideas in the form of JPEGs of what of their cover designs. And so after a week, the different designs, and I narrowed down those 60 designs to about 10, and I told these 10 artists what to change on these different designs, and then I narrowed those 10 down to three, and then did another round of changes, and then finally landed on uh, that cover. And then when you're done with the contest, all of the right, all of the rights to the artwork become yours after you make the final payment. Mhm. That's really cool. I love the cover. I think the cover is really great. And I saw, I saw, you know, a lot of the different artwork. I like the um, the back too. Is great. The back cover is is pretty cool. That show that shows a little bit there. It's really cool. Um, I know you've gotten a lot of reviews on this book. And again, guys, um, go to makinganightstalker.com. And uh, I love the um, quote in the back. We sleep peace- peacefully in our beds at night only because rough men stand ready to do violence on our behalf. George Orwell. And there was another one. Um, I remember, I can't find it in the book. It's the one about um, if you're going into hell. What was that one? What keep was that go- quote again? Yeah. If you're going through hell, keep going. Sir Winston Churchill said that. Yep. That's a great quote. You know, just keep going and uh, you'll get to the other side. But uh, with that, I wanted to say to you, thank you so much for being here today. And again, if you missed the beginning of the show, guys, this show will be available on iTunes again on Red Velvet Media within, you know, about a half an hour after we finish our show. And we're going to end with another song that you chose, and I wanted to ask you about that. We're going to be opening – we opened with Thunderstruck by ACDC, and then we're going to be closing with a Johnny Cash song, um, I Won't Back Down, which a lot of people remember Tom Petty did too. So – how about how, talk about that song? Let's talk about why you chose that one. Yeah, so well, for starters, I'm a huge Johnny Cash fan, and I mean, my dog Me is Johnny Cash, and really, um, that's great. Yeah, I want to get him a sister named June Carter, but that's another. Oh, you should. Uh, yeah, they're a lot of work though. That'd be so uh, cute. <laughs> That'd be cute. You have no yeah, idea so, how many shows I've done with people that have played with Johnny Cash, and um. You know, just, you know, just, you know, it's just crazy. And when you chose the song, I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. So why yeah, did so you choose I this just song? Find, uh, so won't back down. I just find a lot of words in that, you know, no matter what you're going through, never to back down. And then it kind of plays off of Sir Winston Churchill's quote, too, if you're going through hell, keep going. So I, I just find not only motivation in this song, but a lot of other Johnny Cash songs. And so I also listened to this song and mention it in the book when I was coming over to Afghanistan on my last deployment. I remember listening it, to it on the C-17 coming into Afghanistan. So it kind of 
start with ACDC, which we went out on missions, you know, listened to it. And then my final deployment and kind of the finale of this radio show, listen to (laughs) Johnny Cash won't back down. You're awesome. And again, I want to give that number out for the Veterans Crisis Line. It's 1-800-273-8255. And you have press number one. So with that, again, makinganightstalker.com and um, also your um, clip. If anybody wants to find find that, um, is that I – didn't, I didn't ask you. That is for sale. You, or are you right now in the process of um, producing that and um, create, you know, getting that out to the public? Is there a place someone um, can go there and see it? Yes, absolutely. The TAC so Clamp? It's, um, TACClamp.com. TAC-Clamp.com. So it's TAC-CLAMP.com. And um, yes. that's kind of cool. That's very, very cool, David. And um, with that, I want to thank everyone. It's Wednesday. Um, guys, please don't drink and drive. It is uh, the middle of the week. Have a wonderful uh, week ahead of you. And I wanted to say um, I was scheduled for a show this Friday on um, Stiv in the um, in the music industry, but we are rescheduling that because the filmmaker is in Spain. So I wanted to let everyone know that. So I wanted to say thank you so much for being here, David. And with that, we're going to play Won't Back Down. And I will be talking to you very shortly. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me on, gonna stand my ground, won't be turned around, and I'll keep this world from dragging me down, gonna stand my ground, and I won't back down, hey. There ain't no easy way out Hey, I will stand my ground And I won't back down Well, I know what's right I got just one life In a world that keeps on pushing me around But I stand my ground And I won't back down Hey, baby There ain't no easy way out Hey, I will stand my ground and I won't back down no I won't back down